This is the Empowered Educational Conversations with Elena Christina podcast. We are two educators who have worked in over seven different school districts and want to see change. We are here for our school leaders who have the desire to implement radical changes to fight the destructive nature of racism and injustice. This is a safe space for passionate school leaders and aspiring school leaders to listen in as we voice our concerns, laugh at our mistakes, and strategize ways to overcome adversity as educators, all while keeping it real. Join us as we share our experience along with other important voices in the field. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Aline and Christina, where we seek to build community and support one another in this work. While you're there, share this with a friend and colleague and rate and review this podcast so we could get this to even more school leaders who want to do this work. All right, let's get to this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Educational Conversations podcast with Elena and Christina, episode 69. I'm Elena, co-host of this podcast. I have been in education for 17 years as a former school counselor and high school assistant principal. I currently coach K-12 school leaders in revolutionizing the K-12 public school system. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. This is my 18th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal, co-principal, and site-level admin pro- program specialist. I'm currently a teacher coach at a K-12 school district and a K-12 co-school leadership coach with my homie and business partner, Aline, right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hey, y'all. So before we get into our episode, let's do our check-in. Christina, how have you been? Um, well, I've been, I've been okay. I've been like starting to research preschools for my son. He's 18 months old. And this is just a new realm for me. Like, okay. I, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. It's just a, it's a, a different ball game for me. Uh, but, and I personally have not gone to preschool. I started, mm. I went straight to kindergarten And so I just, in a sense, I don't even know where to start, but I do have a lot of people to reach out to for like guidance and support. And I was told to check out a website called Parents 510, something like that. And it has like the whole list of um, recommended um, preschools. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's that personally, but just like, what's happening like currently in our world right now is just like constantly at the top of my mind Mm -hmm. and specifically um what's going on between Israel and Palestine or should I say Gaza Mm -hmm. and um just yeah just like the the ongoing conflict and it's like I I don't even know really where to start there. I, I, I mean, I mean, Aline, you said it too. Like, this is not something that like, I'm, I 
I'm totally on top of and I know exactly what's going on in the historical background. It's like I, I have a general understanding of both sides. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, either way, there's people dying mm -hmm. on both sides and it, it's just heartbreaking. And like seeing all these videos and recordings on social media and on the news is yeah. it's it's terrifying it's terrifying to where it's like at this point it's like I, need, I just want it to stop I mean mm -hmm. for the sake of the families and children um especially for the children and, and the mothers I mean everyone but it that's what's really on the top of my mind right now what about yeah. you same same um you know, here on the personal front, dealing with like fall germs, which is like, I feel like a monthly topic for me. Um, so dealing with, you know, just taking care of, you know, the child in my house and also my health, but at the same time, understanding that there's just so much more going on out there. Um, and trying to understand I guess understand like what is happening without fully knowing. Um, you know, I think that we, I feel like I be living in the Bay Area. I've, I've, I've heard of this more than just like what recently yeah. um, with different movements and different protests and different organizations um, specifically around like free Palestine, but then also just um, anti-Semitism um, and so definitely something that's been discussed, you know, for, for, for as long as I can remember, but now just understanding at the level that is at with, um, just the, the violence that is going on and the impact that it's having on different communities, not just there, but here as well. Um, I don't know, it's just a lot to think about and, when we're thinking of our schools, because we work with school leaders and we're educators ourselves. And so we have a lot to kind of reflect on as far as statements being made or the lack of statements being made across our schools and districts makes you really think about what is our role as, um, as educators and as school leaders. And, you know, Christina and I just talked about this, so it's not something that like, you know, um, we've, we flushed flushed out but something that for sure we'll be sending out um and also joining in learning with our school leaders and um, those around us but really I think the main thing I want to say here is that you know it's it's okay that we don't have all the facts or the information but it's important that we understand the impact it has on our schools and the communities within our schools and the students that we have that attend our schools. Um, and that's really what I want us to to think about and how do we show up in that for um, our school community, um, our students, our staff, and our families. So yeah. more to come. Yeah, um, as Elaine said, we'll be sending something out um, more, more on the lines of 
tools for school leaders in terms of how to address this with your students and staff and families, as well as uh, resources that your teachers can use and address and um, utilize as they have these conversations with their students, if your teachers haven't been doing so already. Yeah, which we're, our hope is that they have, right? And oh, yeah, so, yeah, yes. Well, yeah. and that's the thing that Christina and I were, were reflecting on is that, you know, her experience with the district she's working in versus the experience that I have with the district I'm working in and how um, it's very different. And I think that's true, you know, across the Bay Area and I'm sure across the nation. So, yeah, so that which is why we feel like, okay, we should say, you know, just at least put something together for the educators that listen to our podcast, that follow us on Instagram and that are on our mailing list. So if you're not already on our mailing list, um, you can sign up to receive those emails on our, um, in our show notes, there'll be a link there for you. All right. We'll leave it there for our check-in. How about that? And we'll um, kind of jump into the program that was regularly scheduled. Um, in the last episode, we addressed a different Facebook post. So if you don't remember, we did this once before where Christine and I pretended to be Dear Abby. Um, if y'all don't remember, that was an advice column back in the day. Um, and this time it was addressing a post from a school counselor about a topic that I personally have often heard of and have felt for very deeply since I started, um, you know, in the education field. So uh, it's about advocating for the school counseling profession. So go check it out if you haven't already. And this episode is really exciting because we have a guest and this is going to be a two-parter. Yes. This this episode was pretty amazing uh, and so much to really take from and like learn from and, and, and think about and just also so much history that I felt it was best if we split it into two versus trying to let you like make y'all listen for longer than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we didn't want to cut things out. So so be a two-parter. So um, hopefully you enjoy it with one of our um, amazing guests. All right, y'all. Let's jump into this episode, part one. We are so excited to introduce our guest. He was the first superintendent and I, Lillian and I worked for when we first transitioned from teacher and counselor to site administration. Well, personally for me, I was first formally introduced to Dr. Yi um, at a admin parent counselor conference. Um, his daughter was a student at Skyline during my first years as an administrator. And even though I knew he was our boss boss, <laughs> he approached the meeting strictly as a Skyline high school parent. And from there, that's when the professional relationship began. Dr. Yi would frequent our school because we were in between principals. So he would check in on us to provide us with overall guidance or even just hands-on support. Dr. Yi was very supportive and encouraging towards both Alina and me. He even wrote an article on us that was published in the Oakland Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> he was proud that we were products of the Oakland public school system and how we came back to serve as leaders in our hometown community. So to wrap up this intro, 
let me go over Dr. Yi's work experience, but this may take a while. It, it goes on and on and on. So let's start off with this. Before he became an educator, he served as a captain for the United States Air Force for almost five years, specifically as a chief meteorologist. Wow. And then after five years of serving the military, he started off his, edu his educator education career as a third grade teacher within Oakland Unified. After teaching for nine years, he transitioned into school site administration, also within OUSD. After serving as a site administrator for six years, he took a break from K-12 school districts and moved on to post-secondary education where he served as an assistant professor in education administration at Boston College for two years, followed by serving as department chair of education administration department at St. Mary's College. That position was for two years. And then he served at the, as the education department chair at Holy Names University for five years. Okay, let me take a, a breather there. Okay. Then, after working a total of nine years at the university level, Dr. Yi worked for the Peralta Community College District for a total of four academic years. His position included Dean of Instruction, Associate Vice Chancellor for Research and Planning, and then eventually he retired as the Vice Chancellor in September 2008. But y'all, the resume does not stop there. He stepped out of retirement to act as the OUSD superintendent for one, for one year. But between everything else that I just said, from 2002 to 2022, Dr. Yi has served as the director of the Oakland Unified District Board of Education. Woo. With that said, we are proud and honored to introduce our former superintendent and friend, Dr. Gary Yi. Welcome, Dr. My, I know, a round of applause there. <laughs> well, I got my towel. I'm like sweating. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Dr. Yi. Thank you so much for the uh, for the introdu introduction and uh, the pleasure is all mine. I love podcasts and uh, I was just so amazed that the two of you uh, would create this uh, sweet spot in the podcast world between podcasts about teaching and learning and podcasts about policy, uh, policy development. That in between part is that is uh, those people who serve as the uh, site administrators and those people uh, who work on the uh, front line of implementing implementing uh, school district policy, which coincidentally uh, is um, basically formed by, in theory, anyways, by school board members. Um, so I'm really um, appreciative to be here. Uh, with you, uh, with you both, and just to uh, admire your long careers in Oakland and in education, and also um, um, the courage for you to uh, to uh, do this podcast. So thank you very much. I'm very honored, and I'm just curious: uh, am I by any chance your uh, oldest uh, guest, <laughs> Doctor E? <laughs> I will say you are the one with the most wisdom. Most wisdom. <laughs> most Thank wisdom you. and most experience. Yes, Thank so you. far. So far, you don't know. We still have okay. more, many more guests to come. <laughs> no, I, I just am, uh, you know, the generational differences 
Um, it just gives me a great, um, uh, it's really humbling for me um, to uh, have this opportunity to be with you all. Oh, thank you, Dr. Yi. So Dr. Yi, we're gonna go ahead and ask you our very first question. So we we love asking our guests this question, like it because it humanizes our experience. So please tell us what's your educational journey story that got that got to where you are today. Okay, well, um, I uh, my uh, my life in it in uh, Oakland Unified School District actually started in 1952 oh. when I was a when I was a four years nine months old. I started kindergarten at Manzanita School, and uh, and uh, but my first real vivid memory um, was getting sent to the office by uh, uh, for uh, talk, for talking out of turn in class, and uh, my principal was Miss Sturziker. So I sort of remember the principal, Ooh. and uh, and then later on though, that probably my my favorite uh, memories of uh, of uh, as a as a as a student, were the the teachers who uh, paid attention to me in some way and uh, lifted me up. So um, that's uh, I want to shout out uh, Mr. Alf Anton, who was my uh, fifth and sixth grade teacher, who um, actually um, identified me for a gifted and talented program, and I got uh, I I got tested and put into the uh, into the gate track. And uh, I had um, uh, a husband and wife team at uh, at the Frick Junior High School in Castlemont. Um, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. David Conley and uh, Miss, I believe her name was Janetta Conley. Those were the husband and wife team. And uh, they were uh, really instrumental in seeing me through, you know, high school. I was a, a kind of a, a very shy, awkward uh, kid. And uh, so, but school was where um, I learned uh, to be uh, come socialized in the sense that uh, my parents were both immigrant and um, and uh, poorly educated in their own country, working all the time. And their goal was that we would uh, we would uh, fit in and we would um, make something of ourselves through education. And so um, they were really instrumental in uh, in uh, seeing me through. Uh, but I never actually wanted to be a teacher. I actually wanted to be a, uh, I hate to tell you, uh, a fighter pilot. So this was the time of the Vietnam War. And at the time, you know, my my parents were strongly anti-communist because of uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Civil War in China, uh, getting pushed out of China and uh, into Hong Kong and then to the uh, U.S. And so I felt like uh, I kind of believed the story of uh, Vietnam and um, and uh, the domino theory and all the rest of that. And I thought, man, it would be great to be a, a fighter pilot. Uh, so I went to school to study uh, engineering. And uh, unfortunately, um, I got, uh, <clears throat> I, I was not, not uh, physically qualified to be a pilot because of my sight. So, uh, but that's how they got me into meteorology. So you can see uh, being a public school teacher or an educator wasn't part of that uh, career goal. Uh, what got me into teaching was uh, my wife, uh, Caroline Yee. She was a, uh, a, a teacher, and she uh, taught in Oakland at Martin Luther King and then in Washington School. And uh, when I came out of the service, I thought, well, 
I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I would apply for a job. So um, I applied for my first teaching job at uh, Cleveland Elementary School, and uh, I was a third. Uh, there was a third grade opening, so I drove there on my uh, motorcycle, and I got off about uh, ten minutes late uh, to the interview. But who should be interviewing but Mr. John Pichotto? Mr. John Pichotto turned out to be Caroline's fifth grade teacher at Lincoln School. So oh my he, said, God. Oh, he said, your your wife is Caroline Yee, my favorite fifth grade teach student. And uh, so he said, you got the job. So that's how I ended up uh, being a teacher. I went into an internship program at Cal State East Bay. And my uh, first uh, student teaching position was at Parker Elementary School, which, as you know, if you're in Oakland, was one of the schools we uh, we were forced uh, or we closed uh, uh, last year. The other one was uh, Webster Academy, Webster Elementary School, which is now Webster Academy. So um, so I became a third grade teacher at Cleveland School. My After my first year, I got uh, I got laid off because there were too many teachers. And so, uh, but before I got laid off, the first day of teaching was the very first teacher strike in Oakland in 1972. It was a one-day teacher strike the day before school opened. I, I can remember walking the walking the picket line that first first day of work, and then uh, after the first year, I got laid off, and uh, I became a science prep teacher, and then uh, I subsequently finished my nine years as a third grade teacher. Um, all that time, Mr. Pichotto said, "You know, you really should be, you you really ought to be a uh, um, uh, considering administration." And so I uh, I uh, took in those days you could take an exam to be a uh, to oh. pass your administrative <laughs> credential, and so I took the uh, the exam and I uh, became a, a assistant principal at uh, Franklin Year Round School. And uh, did you know we had year round schools in the nineteen eighties? Our schools along the Fruitvale, the the Foothill uh, East Fourteenth Corridor were overcrowded, so the only way that uh, we could fit all the kids in was we, cre we created year-round schools. So that meant that there was no summer break. Teachers would teach nine weeks on and then get three weeks off, and then nine weeks on, three weeks off. And the three weeks off, you had to box everything away, and then one of the other classrooms would come in and move every three weeks from classroom to class, or nine weeks from classroom, three weeks classroom to classroom. So that was year-round school. So that was Franklin, uh, Garfield, uh, Jefferson, um, were, were some Cox, were some of the schools that you might know. So that I got to be the assistant principal there. And then finally, I was principal at another school that was uh, involved in this, in the uh, the school consolidation discussions of a couple of years ago, which you guys might want to talk about later. Uh, that's Hillcrest. I became the principal oh. of Hillcrest Elementary uh, for three years. And uh, by that time, um, uh, somebody, um, and I, I was going to look up the paperwork, but I didn't, um, recommended me for a, uh, a doctoral program at uh, Stanford. And so um, I didn't, I had no idea that I could get into grad school and they would actually uh, pay my tuition and stuff. So, but I went to uh, Stanford and worked for five and studied for five years. Um, and um, I, uh, I studied with uh, uh, Professor Larry Cuban, and he was uh, really, uh, really Im important to me around the importance of teaching and of um, 
of uh, of understanding um, the 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 what he considered the framework for being an educational administrator. And I maybe I can share that with you later. So, anyways, that's how I got into being a professor for for a while, and um, I did get a chance to go to Boston College for a couple of years. But I realized that I'm a place based person. And, you know, all of the things that I loved about being an educator, I had to do with the fact that I was familiar with the, with the place and I owed it something and I understood the culture, but mainly I understood my place in Oakland and I could see other, I could see the students of Oakland being once like I was. And so that kind of cultural connection uh, was, was really important. Are you are you tired yet of uh, the story, or are you shy? No, <laughs> no. I'm just thinking, like, oh my God, you're like all the names of the schools. Like, you have just been, you've touched a lot of the schools in the district, just even from like your personal story, and all the topics you keep bringing up. Bringing up, I'm like, oh my God, that could be a whole episode on its own. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm I'm like learning history about yes. thing right now. Well, uh, so if. If you're interested in that older history, I, my dissertation was called Miracle Workers Wanted. And you know who the miracle workers were that I was Teachers. referring to? No. School superintendents. Oh. Because uh in the in the 1990s, when I was writing it, there was a there was a um, newspaper, there was a magazine report in the, I think it was the New York Times, which said that uh, the average tenure of a superintendent was only three years mm -hmm. and that the turnover of superintendents was creating chaos in the public school system. And so I took that idea about what we were really looking for, what the community is always looking for, are miracle workers, people in education who can somehow untangle all the racial, social, economic, cultural disconnects in our society, somehow Somehow, some way, only the public education system was uh, was vested with the mission to fix them all. Even though you know we only represented um, a fraction of the number of kids who are in a in a community, and we get uh, you know there were there are just so many different things that uh, impact the success of of schools. But nevertheless, nobody says, well, you know, it's really uh, the fire department that defines how the future of our school system or it's the public even the police department or or the recreation department or um, public health nobody says that the future of america relies on the backs mm -hmm. of these folks it always comes back to well teachers and principals and the school system is the one that has to uh has to heal the the, the historical inequities that uh, and challenges that uh, that faces. So um, that's that's uh, that's uh, kind of that that part of it. Um, so I, anyways, I came back to uh, the Bay Area to be uh, an administrator. Uh, well, at Boston College, I actually I helped. Um, uh, I worked in the uh, program to prepare superintendents, and when I got to St. Mary's, um, I uh, I prepared uh, principals. We were developing the principal uh, uh, principals administrative program, and then finally, I had the chance to um, to be the head of uh, the education department at uh, Holy Names uh, at the time Holy Names College, but then 
Holy Names University, and that's where I got to to uh, work with uh, preparing uh, teachers. And and then I got uh, I got swept up with the opportunity of something that always fascinated me, and that was uh, working with kids uh, who graduate from high school or maybe don't graduate uh, and and don't actually go to four-year college, but actually go to two-year colleges. And I became really interested, really interested, especially with the opportunities that uh, kids might have in the community college system uh, to do career tech education. And so I just love the thought. I, I love the idea of the community colleges um, having those career tech education programs or what we used to call vocational ed. Because, you know, we don't have really vocational ed anymore, but those programs all exist in the community college. The challenge, though, is the community college classes were mostly designed for um, either returning vets from um, uh, Vietnam or older adults who wanted to, to uh, professionalize their, their careers, whether it's culinary or the health services professions or, um, or building, building trades and so forth. They were mostly for adults. And so the ambition was, um, and this was about uh, 2005 or so, so I had already met you guys, but the idea was how do we get people um, who aren't going to go into a four-year college, how do we get them interested in a, in a, in a good paying um, career, not as a, uh, not as a, uh, a, a, uh, uh, a, um, I don't want to say a carpenter, not as a woodworker, but as a carpenter, you know, not as a, not as a day laborer, but as a plumber or an electrician. How do we get uh, kids uh, doing that? And then what I found out is that one of the big problems is that uh, in the, in the programs for apprenticeship and journeymen and so forth, the level of uh, basic skills required, reading and math and basic, those kinds of basic core skills and communication and uh, and uh, job readiness those those uh, those were not always within the purview of the of the students that we focus on and so um, I got to work on that kind of stuff and then that takes us up kind of you know to um, to the uh, to my kind of last big thing uh, which was uh, working with something called link learning and career academies. And, uh, and I just want to do a shout out because both of you, when you were at Skyline, which I didn't know, um, chose to be um, uh, in the education academy that we had at Skyline. And uh, you were local kids who went, went through that, became teachers, administrators. So you two actually represent, you're the, uh, you're the poster grownups of what it means, <laughs> what it could mean. Uh, by taking local folks and giving them the skills and opportunities and ambition to work in uh, in the public service, including education, teaching, and then you know choosing to uh, stay and make a, make a career of it. You know, I just am so admiring of that. And also, you know, I I want to shout out in case she's uh, listening, uh, Miss Anya Grohold, who I've known all these years. Uh, who was one of the uh, leaders in that, and also Mr. Uh, I think his name was David Stern, who uh, ran the Career California Partnership Academies at the time, which helped fund all that. So those were all the pieces in the background that provided the uh, opportunity for you two 
and me to be in this podcast together. You as the as the living examples and testimony of the success of career-focused academies in our high school, and me the the kind of the, the proud elder just looking at <laughs> what you guys have accomplished and what you're doing now. We love that. We love I that. I love it. <laughs> well, that's how Aline and I met was mm -hmm. um, in our feature teacher academy classes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, because she went to Bret Hart and I went to Montera. And so the fact that, I mean, I, at that time I moved to my grandparents' home and I wasn't sure if I, if my grand, my grandparents' home was at the borderline. I'm not really sure if it was a di direct school for Skyline, but I put there that I wanted to be in the, it was called Future Teachers Academy. Wow. Since I put that there, I autumn I was already um, grant. I for sure was going to Skyline. That's just a, an amazing story. Um, and I don't I don't know if uh, if you two happen to to know that there's uh you know there's almost all of our kids now in Oakland go to a a career academy uh -huh. <laughs> of one Wait. sort or another. And mm -hmm. uh, you know I spend a fair amount of time now at uh, at uh, Fremont High School. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you, uh, if you ever met, um, uh, I, I'm going to find his, uh, his, uh, his name. I just, uh, I lost it in my head just now, but, um, he is, uh, he is a graduate of the Academy of Fremont. So there is more and more, we are looking for, you know, creating that kind of, mm -hmm. uh, um, pathway mm -hmm. for, uh, for our local kids to actually have a dream about giving back into the community, just like you guys did. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I mean, Dr. Yi, just like your your entire journey, your your educational background, has we, we have so much to learn from it. And I think something that I'm super curious about is just, well, one, you're retired now. Yes. So we're, uh, congratulations to that. But we met you as a superintendent, but you also spent a lot of time on the school board. So can you tell us just a little bit about that? Like what that experience was and just, you know, I mean, those are two, like you said, like in theory, the school board is making kind of the decisions around what the schools are going, are doing or not doing. And so tell us a little bit more about that. What was that like? Uh, well, so there, so there was, there were uh, uh, two things. I'm not exactly sure how I ended up uh, being on the school board in 2002. I think it was, um, if you recall, there was a um, a form a mayor in Oakland, Jean Guan, mm -hmm. and she was yeah. the, the first uh, Asian American woman uh, mayor in in Oakland. I don't know if you knew it or not, but before she was um the mayor she and she was on the city council and before she was on the city council she was on the school board and so when she uh, gave up her school board seat um i had a, a very good uh a friend in in oakland who's actually my political mentor his name is david kakashiba and he's run the east bay asian youth center for many 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 years in in oakland uh we first met as a uh, frenemies 
at uh, Franklin year-round school because I looked at things from the point of view as a, of a teacher of a of a school person and uh, in academics, and he looked at uh, um, uh, kids from a, a youth development perspective and was really looking at building uh, the the whole uh, the whole child. And so I just learned so much from him, and uh, as a result, I uh, I had a uh, I had a chance to. Uh, he wanted to run for school board, so he said, "Why don't we Why don't we run together?" And so we got on the school board. And I don't know if you two remember uh, Dennis Chaconis. Uh Dennis Chaconis was a very famous uh, teacher and principal in Oakland. He was principal at Oakland Tech, uh, probably when you guys were in uh, in high school, mm-hmm. and. Um, he uh, he was really excited about us uh, about me joining the school board because I would be the first um, uh, educator uh, who was on wow. the school board in quite some time. Uh, school board uh, school school educators tend not to not to get involved in politics <laughs> because you know that's like the politics is bad. And school school work is instructional work is good, mm-hmm. and um, but we saw David and I saw the opportunity to um, to help and make uh, positive change. By the time we got on the school board, um, State Senator Don Parada announced that uh, Oakland was in the hole by hundred million dollars, and so in two thousand and two or two thousand and three, uh, two thousand and two, David and I got elected to the board. In two thousand and three, we try to we and the board try to fight uh to keep local control and we lost and so we were under state receivership from 2003 to about 2007 or 8 but uh, david and i were determined to stay on the school board and see it through because we pledged the community that uh, our service on the school board uh was about um, our public school system and so we stayed on through that time so um you know, some of the things that uh, I remember the best uh, was, uh, first of all, getting on a, a state receivership um, by organizing ourselves as a as a holistic board, uh, a, a board that could get get to get along and make decisions. Uh, we hired um, the uh, first full time superintendent in Oakland since the takeover, Dr. Tony Smith, and Dr. Tony Smith's vision was full-service community schools. Mm-hmm. So David and I really embraced the idea of full-service community schools, which would serve um, which would serve the larger community, but they would act as communities themselves. And so there was a lot of, um, of internal organizing of schools to be, you know, more democratically managed and so forth and so forth. Um, uh, but at, in about two, at about 2010, um, we had a moment of truth because the the full service community school system was was actually pretty expensive because we hired many positions that other school districts didn't have, and it, it was just a very very difficult to maintain. So the superintendent brought to the board a, a proposal to close about uh, about twelve ten or twelve schools, and so some some of us agreed to close the schools and some of us opposed the to close the school. So there was quite a bit of uh, of uh, ferment at the time, um, not ferment, foment, and uh, disruption. And we had an Occupy Oakland thing, and there were demonstrations in front of uh, 
Dr. Smith's house and other people's homes. And uh, and it was really very, very, uh, very, very tense around that time. Around 2013, uh, it all came kind of, for me anyways, it came to a head. Uh, my wife suddenly passed away. And, uh, and she had been a, a long-term principal in Oakland. And, uh, and uh, it was it was very uh, hard, sudden and hard. Plus, we had uh, had a we had a foster a teenager who you know who went to Skyline High School, and I was now a single father. So uh, I announced that I was retiring from the board in 2013. Um, at the same time, Dr. Smith announced that he was leaving for Chicago, and so we would not have a superintendent. This was in uh, March of 2013, May. And uh, so David Kakashiba said, well, you've uh, you've uh, been a vice chancellor at Peralta. Surely you can help us uh, be the superintendent now, can't you? And so uh, there was a proposal that I would be the interim superintendent for a year so that the school board could choose a uh, could choose go through a, a national search. Uh, so so that was uh, quite something, because as I told you earlier, um, uh, when I started my uh, doctoral program at uh, at uh, at uh, Stanford, um, and I, as I told you, Dr. Larry Cuban was my um, was my advisor. He had been a superintendent himself in Arlington, Virginia, for seven years, and uh, then he got laid off because the board changed over. And he he afterwards applied fifty two different positions or fifty one positions. And he was turned down in all 51 positions. And I said, I just can't, I can't take that. I don't, I'll never be a superintendent. I'll be a professor instead of a superintendent. I'll, there's other things I can do. But here was the, uh, the supreme irony of the, of the universe is that in 2013, then I was asked to be the superintendent. I didn't apply to be, I was asked to be the superintendent for that year. And so uh, I got to be the superintendent. I got to continue. I promised everybody that I would continue the full service community schools thing, but I wanted to add uh, career academies because I'd seen the power of the career academies and at the skyline. You know, you had the you had your academy, and I think you you had the Green Academy, and there may have been uh, I don't know maybe a performing arts or something. Those are the two I remember. And then at Oakland Tech, of course, they had the engineering and the health academy, and uh, at Fremont High School, there's an architecture academy, and and I just was a really impressed with the opportunity that kids have not to see high school as the mission of high school shouldn't be to get you into college. The mission of high school should be to help you think about what your career is going to be. Just like you guys, you, you didn't end up teaching as a job, you ended up teaching as a career. And so the, the opportunity to make that shift I said, this is what I want uh, to to uh, to promote because it fits in well with the full service community schools. So that's what we did in that year. And at the end of that year, we balanced the budget, and uh, and uh, we we uh, we adopted a parcel tax measure in, uh, which was uh, thirteen million only to the high schools and only for career academies and for all high public high schools, whether your charter or your district if you met certain standards. And so those are the those are the kinds of things that happened there. Um, at the end of that year, um, 
people did ask me to consider staying on, but I realized I never had the opportunity to fully grieve my wife's passing. And I was a single parent and I felt like, you know, my daughter uh, deserved to have me as a, a full-time uh, parent. And so that's when uh, uh, I, I uh, resigned, uh, retired again. And uh, the, the rest of it, of course, as you know, um, Dr. Antoine Wilson came in and he lasted for his term was about two years. And, uh, and then uh, he was eventually replaced by uh, Dr. Johnson Chamel, who's there now. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alina Christina. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.